Check, check, one, two, two, two. Welcome back to another recording of the podcast of Beef and Slim. My name is Slim, also known as Kyle Kuggleman. I am Father Adam, a.k.a. Beef. We're really excited you guys are here with us again this week. It is the second to last podcast with Father Adam as a resident at Prince of Peace. I know, yeah, it's getting real. I... Well, looking at my calendar, I'm basically done in the office a week from today. Really? Yeah, because next week on Tuesday, I've got a mass, and then I've got some stuff away. And then I've got a, the rest of the evening, I got blocked off to pack. Mm. Wednesday's my day off, and Thursday, I've got a 10 o'clock mass at the nursing home. And then I'm going to be wrapping up whatever I got and, to at the house. Yeah. I'm not taking any more meetings unless they're super emergencies. And even then, people don't. I mean, if somebody's dying, I'm going to go take care well, of them. yeah, but that's not a meeting. That's a... Well, yeah, I'm not taking any... Meeting, if you haven't learned after two years, meeting is a very broad term for me. <laughs> it means a one-on-one meeting. It means me going to the gym because I got to meet with the weights. It's <laughs> it just means something on my calendar. Yeah. It's something to do. So speaking of which, is there a gym in your new town? There is a nice little community center. Nice. Do they have enough weights for you? Um, or will, these days, probably. Do they, do they shut down when you're there? <laughs> well, <laughs> no one else can work out. It's awesome because it's a small town. They're only open in like a few sec- hour sections. Like they're open in the morning, then they close when people are at work. They open up over lunch, and then they close in the <laughs> afternoon. I think uh, it's... It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's awesome. It makes sense. Well, I was in another... Um, I was out in Frankfurt, Kansas for six months, and there's not a gym. I yeah. got a key to the high school oh, or nice. weight room. So, I mean, I'm used to it, but it just, it's very different than Johnson County. <laughs> where there's a gym every other <laughs> you foot. You get whatever you yeah. want, whenever you want. The I was out in Frankfurt last Wednesday. Man, that's a small town. Yeah. Jiminy. Oh, it's a little over 700 people. I think it was 770 at one point, but I think I was told that it was going down. It's a little over really? 700 now. They, uh, they're hosting Prayer in Action, you know, this mm-hmm. week and, or this month. And I was talking to the team who's out there running it. And so we've been all over the, the archdiocese. We've been in uh, Blessed Sacrament downtown. We've been, I mean, just all over Lawrence, Atchison, all over. And Frankfurt is by far the best town that we've, we've done it at. Like they're, they've already like rallied together. We've got more supplies and food than we've mm-hmm. ever had before. Like, no, it, it, <laughs> it's really cool. It's an amazing community out there. Yeah. It's awesome. They're, they're good super people. nice. Um, so you played softball yesterday, huh? I did. And I just want ever to recap two years ago. Two years ago? <laughs> yeah, it was two years ago, the first year. You had just become a priest. Mm-hmm. Wait, were you already a priest? Yeah, I was. Yeah. It was July. Yeah. It was so actually after we started here. So you were already a priest, and you go out. You were just a baby priest. I was a baby priest. And you knocked somebody out, right? Yep. Who did you knock out? <laughs> a priest from Missouri. <laughs> he got, and let's get the record straight. I was playing catcher. And a ball was coming in as one of their players was running towards home. My focus was keep a foot on the plate because I think it was a force out maybe. Okay. And catch the ball. (laughs) I left it up to him to not (laughs) run into me. (laughs) And he failed. (laughs) He ran right into my shoulder. The ball went way over my head. And I went to the backstop to get the ball. And by the time I turned around, he still hadn't moved. Oh, no. Then he moved shortly thereafter. Okay. So you knock somebody out. Then they start playing with two home baits or home plates. Oh, really? Yeah. So now the new rule because of you. Yeah, because of me is once you 
past the pitcher's mound, you, you commit to running home, and then the catcher stands on the, the real home plate, and the runner runs for one that's a few feet off so that you can avoid a collision. Oh. And you tag the plate instead of the runner. So I've always wanted to be the youth minister at a parish that, like, there's rules in place because of something I've done. <laughs> you know, like... I don't. I know this. I would never do this. So please don't email us. But like, don't have a pool party in the baptismal font. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't. Ever. No, go ahead and email him on his private email. <laughs> not not our group one. <laughs> uh, but so you got a rule. Is it so? Is it called the Father Adam rule? No. And actually, they didn't have it last year. So I'm just quasi taking credit because oh, okay. it's it's a fun thing. My but, sister is she just graduated high school and she went down to Covecrest with her church uh, two years ago. And my dad got a phone call one morning back here in Kansas City and it was the youth minister from her church saying, John, we don't know what to do, but your daughter has been piercing girls' ears in the cabin. So now there's a rule on the code of conduct sheet for the trip and it's called the Carly rule. <laughs> no piercings or tattoos may be acquired on these trips. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So she's at least held us, held the Cuckleman name up real well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lord, Lord help us all. Well, what do you say we get into these readings? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. The first reading is 1 Kings 19, 16, 19, 16 B, 19 through 21. Uh, second reading is Galatians 5, 1, 13 through 18. The gospel is Luke 9, 51 through 62. And there is a lot to talk about here. Like, we yep. have probably four different ways we could take this, don't you think? Uh, at least. At least four. So we're going to try to and keep we'll find it a couple briefish. More. We'll try. <laughs> no promises. We're at six minutes already, so. We haven't even said anything. <laughs> I'm just saying. We're at six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we at? I don't did know. you give Galatians yet? Yeah, yeah I've already did. said everything. Did you say Luke? Yeah. You talked about the gospel? Yeah. Oh. Pay attention. Nah, I'm focusing on my pain right now. Because <laughs> I You're do sore. hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first reading is about Elijah and Elisha, which I get confused all the time. Yeah. Um, but Elijah was the most long-tenured prophet in the Old Testament, right? I think so. And he's the one we hear the most about. Uh -huh. He's the one that appears at the Transfiguration, not mm -hmm. Elisha, but Elijah. Yep. And Elisha's a male. Yep. Okay. Just, Even though it, we have a variation, which is spelled super different, Elisha. Oh, it is? Yeah. Like How's it spelled? A girl, you know? A-L-I-C-I-A. So I've seen it. Oh, yeah. I could have, yeah. Versus E-L-I-S-H-A. Yeah. Well, this is kind of a weird reading, and when you, when you, if you just hear it, or even if you just read it without really knowing the precursor. So there's two parts of this that stood out to me. So one is um, Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak over, over Elisha. Um, like, that's just a weird, why did he do that? Give me some. Give me some whys here. The whys of why he threw the cloak. Yeah. Um, and so he's seeking out. So he gets this from the Lord. And so note too that it's because Elijah is a man of prayer because he's got this relationship with God that he knows that God wants him to go out and talk to Elisha or Elisha. 
We'll say Alicia because it sounds. Oh, is that what part. it's supposed? To be? That's what some of my really smart professors. Then, granted, they said it different amongst themselves, but the ones who had the highest honors said Elisha. 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 Oh. So we'll go with Alicia because that's what a lot of people do. Because so that it's easier. Elijah to and Elisha. Okay. So what are, how are we? What are we gonna do? We're gonna go Alicia. Alicia. Like we've been doing. Okay. Alicia. Yeah. Alicia. Yep. Alicia. Okay. Go. So God told him to go see Elisha, and that's why he knows, because he's a man of prayer. And so he goes and seeks out this man. So one of the themes Kyle wants to talk on, and I agree with it, he just proposed it, so I'm going to give him credit, yes. is of discipleship. Um, yes. And so he knows that he's supposed to go out and invite this man into a relationship with him for the sake of being able to live out the gospel, being able mm-hmm. to be in relationship with God the Father. And so he goes and he takes his mantle and he puts it over him as a way of symbolizing. And the mantle is his cloak. His cloak, yeah. Yeah, his garment. Yep. Whatever he has, he puts over mm-hmm. him. That's a good point to make. And he throws it over his shoulder and this bonds them together. And it lets him know that he's going to be his disciple. He's going to be his servant. And so the idea, and this is actually cool. I'm going to talk about my priest, one of my priest vestments here too. Okay is that of an oxen. So he's here tending mm. with 12 of his oxen is what they would be is they'd be no, hooked up. No, it's more than 12. This is 12 yoke of oxen. Oh, 12 yoke of so oxen. So that means there's 24 oxen, which at that time period... That was a lot. Ali, 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 Alicia mm-hmm. would have been a very wealthy man. Yep, that You're right. I right? skimmed it. You're right. It's 24, so there's That's 12. That's crap load. That's 12 yoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what a yoke does, for those that don't know, is it binds two of them together. That's how if there's 12 yoke, we know there's 24. Mm-hmm. And so it goes over the shoulder of one, then it connects the shoulder, going over the shoulder of the other one. And so when you see the yoke, it's a symbol of saying, I'm going to walk side by side with you. And so it's Elijah saying to Elisha, come walk with me. And so this is the image of the priest stole. It goes over his shoulder. Anytime a is priest- this the one that you guys just wear? Yep. Like at confession, it's purple. Yeah. Okay, it's the just purple when you wear confession. Yeah. It's the thing that a priest ideally wears anytime he's doing anything priestly in the sacraments or he can wear it in certain prayers. Is it when he's in persona Christi? Yeah, it's okay. when he's acting the person of Christ. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. The super outer garment of the mass, the chasuble, is just reserved to the mass. So okay. the stole is the, the typical priestly garment for when he's doing which, his ministries. Which if you tie those two things together, if that is your yoke, and it's spiritually tying you to Christ, yep. which would make sense, right? So yeah, you can look at it in terms of, and this is going to go with the discipleship mentor thing we'll talk about, is I have to walk with Christ. He has to be the one that leads me, and we walk side by side. But I also, as a priest, acting in persona Christi Capitus, Christ our head, I'm supposed to walk with you guys. I'm supposed to walk with the people that I'm ministering mm-hmm. to, and I do that in the different ways of whatever sacrament or liturgy I'm celebrating. Mm-hmm. So the church keeps that symbol reminding the priest every time he vests, and he's supposed to kiss the, the uh, stole every time he puts it on as a way of venerating the office that he's been given and also of remembering what he's supposed to do as one who walks with the people. Because it is easy to yeah. say, ha I'm priest, bow down. Okay, so let me ask you this. When you are on vacation or retreat or whatever, or um, like when you go on one of my youth trips with me, uh-huh. you may not bring your entire vestments, but you always bring your stole. For at least your confessional stole. Yeah, I keep a purple stole around. Now, granted, sometimes you just get stopped at a time. Like I was yeah. at an outing, someone said, do you have to have your stole to hear a confession? I said, I don't have to. Yeah. And they said, oh, good, well, you hear my confession. And mm-hmm. that's why it's not an absolute requirement. Or like when we were but in the, try to. the water. you yeah, try to. You try to have it with to. you. Yeah. So like at Steubenville last year, I had my yeah. purple stole close to me. Yeah. But... But like when we were out on the river, you know, I were hearing yeah, confessions, didn't you didn't have your stole with you. So while I you were also here. didn't know I was going to be hearing confessions. Yeah. It just sort of happened, and <laughs> yeah. you go with the flow. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and we kind of we'll get to kind of that idea of like rule over Christ mm-hmm. here in the gospel. But um, okay, so okay, so that's the first big thing I think is important is the cloak. The next one I think is really important is Elisha left him and taking the yoke of the oxen slaughtered them. He used the plowing equipment to fuel their, to boil their flesh and gave it to his people to eat. Mm-hmm. And I think it's radical. First of all, like that's just such a weird thing to have in there. But as you and I talk about all the time, like everything's very important. Yep. So I think the biggest thing is Alicia understood that what he was being called to was really important. Mm-hmm. Like at this, I, this is a really stupid analogy. So just go with me here. I look at as Elijah as Batman and Alicia as Robin and Batman is grooming Robin to become like the primary superhero eventually. That's one way to look at it. But if Alicia had left these 24 oxen and all of his equipment behind, he would have always had that back mm-hmm. as like a plan B. And rather than just like going out on a limb and following this guy and trusting him, so instead, he slaughtered all of it, burnt all of his equipment, just so that he had nothing to fall back on. Um, and as we talked about just a minute ago, Alicia was a very rich man. So get rid of getting rid of 24 oxen, that's a huge deal. And he fed it to the village that he lived in. Yep. Yeah, and he does. And it's awesome because look at what Peter does after Jesus comes back, after the resurrection. They've had a couple encounters and... You know, there's this awkward... I heard somebody else say it. I'm stealing it. I don't remember who from, though. But uh, Probably Baron. Probably Baron. <laughs> I just didn't want to say without being sure. It could be him. Um, but Peter <laughs> has a couple encounters with Jesus after the resurrection. But, you know, it's not quite the time for the three things. And so what does he do? I'm going to go back, back to fishing. fishing. Luke 24, 21. Mm-hmm. He goes back fishing. And so... Or, um, Alicia here is, yeah, this is not an option. I'm mm-hmm. going all in. And, you know, in seminary, there are some guys that approach I think we've, we've talked about it before, but some guys approach it, um, you know, until I get really, really close, I've always known I can go back out and get married. Mm. Um, or that's not the approach I took. My prayer led me to being very confident. Yeah. I was supposed to be a priest, and I went with the approach. And unless God tells me to leave, either through the diocese of the school or my prayer, I'm just going to assume I'm going through forward with this. And you can tell a very big difference in the men who take it as approach as sort of, I'm, I'm halfway going, mm-hmm. I might still pull out, versus the guys that go, yeah, I'm just going to go. And I have a buddy that went to seminary. He was in for, I think, two years, and he eventually just turned out. But um, through in high school, he started a landscape, a lawn mowing company. And then in college, it grew, and it became a pretty big company. And then he graduated college, and when he discerned to go to the seminary, he sold his company to, like, he sold away his company mm-hmm. to somebody. Um, and I thought that was, that's pretty interesting that you said that. I've never really put that in perspective of a priest, like, especially that guy. He sold a company that, and he eventually, he discerned out of the seminary, and I think he's either engaged or seriously dating or something, but he doesn't have that company anymore yep. to go back to. Anyway, okay, let's move on. So uh, we need to remember this Elijah and Elisha because we're going to kind of jump back to that, I hope. Um, So the second reading, Father, go. Super awesome. Um, Yeah, I have one part about this that I want to mention, but other than that, nothing. Okay. Um, So you're going to have to bring up a question again that I don't remember exactly what it was. But So it begins, brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ set us free, so stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Mm. And so the idea here is kind of that we're going to be the yoke of, under the yoke of something. Are we going to be under the yoke of Christ, walking with Christ, or are we going to be under the yoke of sin? Because either we choose God or we reject him. Mm-hmm. And the, there's no middle ground. Either we're with God or we're not. Yeah. 
And so Paul, especially if you know his larger works, um, and especially the way he talks about um, here at the end, he says um, the, the thing between the spirit and the flesh, but he says that you may do things that you don't want to do, meaning you may sin, mm. or Paul later will say, yeah. or elsewhere will say, um, oh, I don't no, always I... do what I don't want to do, I do what I don't want to do. Yeah. Did I say that right? It, Sometimes he sins backwards. even though he didn't yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, and so Paul knows that this, this turmoil is going to go on, so he's saying, don't go back to slavery. And actually, by God's providence, I didn't even look at this reading yet, but this is my homily this morning for Mass, that um, it's God's people for, in our first reading, they're... Um, Another country is coming to Lord over them because they fell into idolatry, which mm-hmm. is the problem yeah. for citizens in the Old Testament. And they become, in different times throughout the Old Testament, they go into exile. They become slaves of another people because they fell out of right relationship with God. And the same thing happens to us in our sinfulness. And, you know, the extreme example would be any sort of addiction where you can't mm-hmm. function, you know, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever. Um, you just, everything you do is rooted in that. Or if you're an angry person and mm-hmm. everything you do, like I used to struggle with anger. I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. perpetually, you know, on fire, but that worries you out. Yeah. And life is so much better. I mean, I still get angry. You've seen it, yeah. but it's so much better when it's not something that controls you all the time. And that, so I've been trying to think of like, what's the benefit of not, of following Christ, of being a disciple of Christ? And it's, it's exactly what Paul's saying here. Like it's the, the freedom, mm-hmm. like yeah, it may seem like there's rules, but you only acknowledge those rules if you're looking from the outside in. Yep. Not ever if you're if you're there. It's not really a rule. It's just like, yeah, this is what I do. That's one of the things that yeah, I keep talking about. I was like, mm-hmm. the gut or everything that we do is summarized in love God, love neighbor, yeah. and we're made in God's image and likeness. And yeah. You don't punch somebody. You don't murder them because you love them. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. would never punch Monica because you love her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they just flow from it, and they make sense if you are in love with God. Um, and, and that is so... Uh, the in love with God is so radical. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes we just don't talk about what that is, what that means, mm-hmm. what that looks like. That in love with God is so powerful. It is because so many people, and I'm getting a better sense of this, and unfortunately, I think it's going to continue, of the fact that so many people, they're Catholic because they like a lot of the stuff that we do. And I mean, I know that people don't have a relationship with God, but I'm getting a better understanding or experience of that they're just Catholic because that's not what they know. And yep. they know that it's good for them, and they get those little taste of consolation from time to time, but they're not, for whatever reason, and we can come back, this ties into the gospel, but they're not willing to buy in completely. Yeah. They're not willing to make the sacrifices because there are yes. sacrifices. God doesn't... Yes. Ask for a little bit. He asked for well, everything. Just like Alicia. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's all or nothing. It's get rid of it all and follow me and fall. Yeah. So I want to say one thing. Yeah, this came ahead. into my mind. It was yeah. uh, we were on a retreat as we talked about last week. We priest two weeks ago, and we had Monsignor Charles Pope was our retreat master, and he talked about he's I think he said in his fifties. He said I'm in my fifties now. I ache more. I hurt more. I weigh more. <laughs> he says, but I'm more alive now because of my relationship with Christ. He said, I would mm. never go back to being in my 20s again, even though I would mm. feel better physically. He's like, I'm so much more alive mm-hmm. right now. And it's been an image that stuck with me. Um, it's sort of been prompting some of my, my homilies the last couple of weeks. Because mm-hmm. one of my goals ever since the beginning of preaching was one of the things I want them to know every week that I proclaim God's word through the gospel in my homily is I love God. Yeah. But of, of letting that sense of not just do I love God, but that he's making a substantial change in my life as I wrestle with my sinfulness and try to root it out. So I think 
and maybe I'm wrong, so feel free to text or email if you disagree with me, but I think a lot of people don't know what it means to be in love with God. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that stems from we don't know what it means to love each other. Yep. Like, we have so many broken marriages, so many, all this stuff. If we can't... So John Paul II said that a marriage is one of the closest things to what the, the love of uh, our Father is to here on earth. Like, that's the closest thing to a physical representation on earth of the love of the Father for us. Mm-hmm. And or of the Trinitarian love, of Trinitarian love, yep. And um, but when when I mean we haven't. How rarely do you see that marriage come to, come to life? And so I think it's hard. I think I think it would be hard to know that God loves us even when like my marriage is falling apart mm-hmm. or this is. You know, th- even if your marriage isn't falling apart, but it's just not true love. Um, yeah, I don't know. I w- that just came to my mind. That was not. No, that's me- good. Okay. And if you ever post my homilies, that's <laughs> my what I preached on yesterday. Oh, well, but specifically the father's love being an example for the children to enter into the and God's love, and it happens and it fit in with the readings that it's through sacrifice mm-hmm. because that's what God's love looks like. So the father offers his son to us. The son accepts that request of the father and offers himself, mm-hmm. which allows us to have that opportunity for eternal life. So yeah. check my homily for my thoughts on that. I'll post it tomorrow. And the, <laughs> the calling of fatherhood. Um, all right. So yeah, let's get into the gospel real quick because there's so much here. Wait, you want to do that question? To, we're going to do questions at the end. Okay. We got we'll two questions back. we're going to double back to. Okay. Um, Okay, so the gospel comes up, and it's a very cool gospel, very good. And the weirdest thing, um, okay, so this is the second week in a, in a row Jesus rebuked them. Yep. Have you noticed that? Uh-huh. And I don't know why he rebukes them right now. Oh, man, I just looked away. I wanted to see how close these were. <coughs> Let me go back to the reading. Let All me right. go back to the reading. Anyway, he rebukes them it's again. A couple verses, yep. Um, <coughs> oh, because they wanted to kill everybody. <laughs> This one makes more sense than the word that they used last week. So Jesus oh. goes into a Samaritan village, and it makes sense that they wouldn't. They don't like the Jews. That's why the Good Samaritan makes such a big deal. Yeah, yeah, because the Samaritans didn't like the Jews, and so because Jesus is going to Jerusalem, they give as his as a reason for rejecting him because he's a Jew who's going to practice his faith because mm. he goes to Jerusalem in time for the Passover. So they don't like him. And so the disciple James and John say, do you want us to call down fire and kill everybody? It's just weird that the the comparison (laughs) would be from last week when it was, you're the son of God, Jesus rebukes. Should we kill him? Jesus rebukes. But the rebuking last week was, don't tell anybody. But it it very much said Jesus rebuked them. (laughs) It did. Um. Oh, man, that is... I don't know. It's funny that you said, I don't get why they want to... Well, it's because I didn't read it. <laughs> I didn't read that first part. I only read the second Let part. Let that be a note to everybody. Yeah. Read all of the scriptures. I'm we just get, so excited about the one part. We get into problems when we only read verses by themselves. But the first part of this one and the second part of this one do not... Well, I guess they kind of do. Oh, absolutely they do, because he's going to Jerusalem to die, and he says, you got to follow me. No matter what. Well, not what, not the message that I wanna. I'm getting to. I hope it's not against Jesus. No, it's not against. <laughs> no, Jesus. it's not. We already talked about yeah. it. Uh, okay, you go. You talk, and then I'll go. Um, 
Okay, so Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. So he is, we've gone through the turning point, which again is the first part of my homily from yesterday. So post my homily. You haven't given it to me. I didn't give it to you at this time. Um, <laughs> this time it's not weeks, my fault. Last two weeks. I had to go play softball yesterday and I forgot to get, put it in your office. Anyway, the first part is it's a turning point. Jesus asks, could you say that I am? Peter answers, you're the Messiah or the Christ of God. I think is how it was worded in the translation yesterday. And so now he's ready to go and die is ready to start moving towards Jerusalem for the sake of the sacrifice that will be paired up with the Passover celebration. And so Jesus is ready to do that. And so someone says, I want to follow you because he's been hearing the stuff. You know, this is later in the public ministry because mm-hmm. he's getting ready to die. He says, I will follow you wherever you go. So he's got the right response. And Jesus's answer is, and I think it's important for us to, to note this to our, our brains when we tell Jesus, I'll follow wherever you go. He says, He's not saying no with his response. He's just saying, this is what it means to follow yeah. me. Foxes have, den, foxes have dens and mm-hmm. birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. We're always on the go. Yeah. He said, you have to be a missionary, which is going to tie into what you want to yeah. talk about. You have to be on the go. You have to take the good news wherever it needs to be. Um, and so Jesus puts it there for the guy to accept or reject. We have nothing that says he rejected it, so I guess I would assume that he followed it. Um, and this yeah. is one of those passages that I sit with right now in my life because I'm getting ready to leave yeah. as I just start to get comfortable ministering to Prince of Peace and the schedule and the workload that my bishop, the successor of the apostle, said, I need you to go serve somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so, because some people are, are you upset, they're like, I have one lady today, we just got used to you, and mm-hmm. now you have to leave, so we have to try to get used to another guy, and then he'll leave. Um, but this is why, because yeah. we have to be ready to go wherever we're needed. And when we do that, we are imitating Jesus. Luckily, I'll have a place to put my head for a few years, yeah. <laughs> which is better than he had. We um, could steal his bed, everybody. We could do that. That's <laughs> still have a place to put it, but yeah. I wouldn't have a pillow. Um, okay, so that goes into the, the next part of this, and it says, Another says, follow me. And he replied... Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, which is like one of the harshest things I think Jesus has ever said. Like, screw your dead parents. Like, we're going to do this. And I think it's, and when you first read it, you don't really catch like the, the meaning. And I, and I was reading this book by Mark Hart, and he made this comment that there's, um, that, that could mean, like so, some scholars say that the parents weren't dead yet. And that it was that guy saying, I'll follow you, but first I have to wait until my parents die so that I can bury. And it, it, that ties back to Alicia, who just l- killed everything, let, like got rid of everything from his past life to follow Elijah, mm-hmm. where these guys are just not willing to do that. Um, anyway, so I thought that was super interesting on the... It is, and that's... But we have to be willing to follow and leave everything behind, which is, again, why I think people are afraid to enter into a relationship with God. Because I think as some people start to, or maybe they get that taste, and I doubt that any of them would put the words to it. Uh, well, maybe not any of them, but most of them wouldn't put this, these words to it. But, you know, God started asking for a lot. He started to ask me to quit mm-hmm. watching that much TV or to quit watching mm-hmm. that much football or, or to, to change quit my doing job. this or, yeah, leave this job yeah. to go to that job or, to, yeah. um, you know, whatever. Um, and it, it, it's hard and we have to be willing to do it. And two, I want to point out here that, you know, Jesus isn't anti-burying the dead. Yes, it's like yes, 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 yes. We always, and this is a perfect example of how you have to look at the entirety of the gospel, the entirety of what Luke gives us here. And because it's Luke, he writes the Acts of the Apostles, so you got to look at mm-hmm. that as well. Um, and yep. to understand the fullness of his message. I actually was thinking about that this morning in my homily because I was downplaying the... Um, 
because the gospel, the the back of it was um, pull the wooden beam out of your eye. Oh, yeah. And I was downplaying how that's usually used to condemn Christians. And I was like, but if you listen to just this, you might think that I'm a softie says do whatever you want and yeah. hippie Jesus thing. Um, I was like, if you listen to all my homies, hopefully you don't get that idea. Yeah. The, the, Berg. So I, I really like the, the first reading and gospel especially I really, really like because it points to this idea of discipleship. And Father, you and I chatted about this a little bit in pre-show that the, like, what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? And then also what's our response to that? Um, and that goes into being a missionary. Like, um, so I'm discipling a teen right now. And so like I'm walking with him. We meet once a week and we chat. We open scripture and read it together. But every week I'm asking him who he's discipling. Now, it's going to look a lot different than me walking with him or mm-hmm. my, my spiritual director walking with me. But ha- like, I, I think a lot of times we think we can do this on our own. Like we can, we can walk this journey on our own. When mm-hmm. in reality, like we have to have someone that can walk with us and be part of this journey with us. Yep. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. No, you're absolutely right. And even Jesus, we can see this in sort of his hierarchy. He's got the 70 to 72 we see at different times. Well, he's got all of creation. Yeah. Then he's got the 70 to 72. And then he's got the 12. Then he's got the three. Then he's got the one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of ways in which we do it. You do it formally um, with the one-on-one setting where you have mm-hmm. to talk to people. And I, as a priest, there are definitely some parishioners through whatever different reasons. It just happened, I'd say, more by God's providence, we yeah. would say, than necessarily me being going to specific people yeah. and being intentional, just sort of how it rose up. But of certain people that I talk to more often, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them come to either the same masses I've got or they come to daily mass, so I see mm-hmm. them and just sort of checking in and saying, how are you doing? And, yeah. Or some people that come to me or they seek me out for confessions. Um, yeah. And be able to walk with them and just check it out. So there's a lot of ways it looks like, but we always have to walk with somebody else. And that's a part of why, again, to go back to the yoke imagery, why Elijah and Elisha have it. Jesus walks with the apostles. He sends them out two by two. Mm-hmm. Now, eventually, after the Holy Spirit's given to them at Pentecost, they go out one by one, but then they go form communities. They yeah. establish things, and they're still checking in with one another. Um, yeah, we see that in Acts all the time, mm-hmm. that they're checking in. Paul's always going back. Yep, they're always in to communication. Go, going back to and, Peter to check in and... Um, and that's what we're created for. If the first thing that we're told about ourselves is we're created for community, mm-hmm. you know, Adam and Eve, as you talked about with uh, marriage pointing to the Trinity, but that's still who we are. We're still created for community. Yeah. We're created for relationship. Um, we have to walk with other people. And it's important for us to um, make sure that we are always discipling somebody and we're always a disciple ourselves. Yes. Um, I mean, even Jesus, look at the way he interacts in the gospel. It says he's going to pray to the Father. And in the agony in the garden, what does he do? He does the will of the Father. He listens yeah. to the one um, who's above him. And at the same time, he's teaching the apostles. And so we always, I as a priest, have to be a disciple. I've got to listen to my bishop. I've got to be in communication with my brother priest. I've got to mm-hmm. be listening to God. I've got to be talking to other people and subject to them if I'm ever going to be the leader I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I, I do this training with my core teams all the time on um, like what their role is. So if you don't have a teen in, in the life teen ministry, the high school ministry, um, or if you will, whatever it is, we don't really care if they learn anything. Um, as bad as that sounds, like we, when they come in on Sunday nights, we don't really care if they like walk away with a whole bunch of knowledge. We just want them to know that they're loved and that someone cares for them. Um, and so the, with our core team training, we always use this analogy of Peter, Paul, and Timothy. Um, Paul, who wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, who never met Jesus, 
but was a disciple of Peter. So Peter was so talked to Paul so much and taught him so much about Jesus that Paul was able to write all these crazy long sentences in the New Mm -hmm. Testament. And then Paul, when you read scripture, you can see that Paul was discipling Timothy. I mean, there's two whole books directly written for Timothy. Um, And I think that relationship is really important. And so I always ask my core team, like I said, put yourself in Paul's, Paul as Paul. So if you're Paul, who are you following? Who's your Peter and who's your Timothy? Mm. And I think that question, like I ask myself that on a regular basis, like who am I following right now? Like who's my mentor? And like for me, I look at it like I have a spiritual director. I have a, a mentor that I look up to in youth ministry. And then like my my vocation as a husband, I have a mentor in that. But then I also like have people that I'm trying to mentor who are younger than me. Um, but I, I, I would encourage all of us to, and you know what, we've actually had a question that this actually ties into really well. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you don't have a spiritual director, if you don't have a spiritual mentor, how do you find that person? How do you, like, what does that look like? And I actually am going to rebuke you a little bit because, well, is that all right? Sure. <laughs> I, never, I never get to do this. Um, because I think the, think the, the way, the way, way the church as, as a whole has made this mistake of discipleship. Now there's God's providence where people come into your life and you're intentional in those relationships, but the way Jesus and Elijah were discipling was not, yes, there was God's providence. Yes. But there's also very intentional. Like Elijah said, threw his cloak over him, mm-hmm. a very physical gesture. Jesus wasn't just walking by the shore and was like, hey, if you want to come, come on over. Yeah, and that's, I did not mean to belittle that because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got people that I'm intentional <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But there's also ones that go up. And I think my point, too, was there are going to be extra times that you don't realize maybe that that relationship oh. is developing. I didn't say that, but that was oh, sort of my yeah, intention. Yeah, I've like, got people yeah. I meet with. Yeah. There's people that, that un- you're unintentionally mentoring that you probably don't even recognize that you're mentoring yeah yeah so yeah my thing is it's not just it's not that paul was only learning from peter now it was his main guy but he's learning from other people too yeah and so these it should be like a big net of inner lattice work maybe Mm -hmm. across the church Um, yeah it was the point i was making but i did not say it so good job in rebuking me because that is not what came out of my (laughs) mouth but that's what was in my brain (laughs) i just think we kind of lose that intentionality Mm -hmm. and so i always tell my core team like if when you find the kid that you want to you want to mentor that teen like you need to tell them hey i want to disciple you will you follow me as i follow mm-hmm. christ because that there's something super profound and we can see it throughout scripture where people will leave stuff behind because someone has called them to something greater mm-hmm. and i i just love that idea of discipleship which yeah. is why and this is what some we're struggling with as a society, although we're coming out of the trend, it's just vocation. So yesterday, the, soft, the purpose of the softball game was to raise money for vocation offices mm-hmm. of both dioceses. Um, and the reason why we have part of our vocation crisis is there's not a sense of um, people willing to make that sacrifice, whether it's parents. Because parents are sometimes the biggest obstacle for a young man or woman discerning religious mm-hmm. life or priesthood because they want their child to have the life that they want them to have yeah. and, and to be available to, be to the them. Doctor so and, my parents yeah. know that we had a goal of me trying to go home once a month, them coming up once a month, so we see each other every two weeks. Yeah. That doesn't happen yeah. it, because yeah. Prince of Peace is Prince of Peace. And, it just, and they've come yeah. to accept it and doesn't mean we like it. It's our goal, but... Um, 
We have it. And so, you know, the, some of the, especially our rural communities, and it's not just here, it's throughout the country, but some of the rural communities are afraid that maybe one day their parish will be closed down, you know, mm. and you ask, when was the last time you guys gave us a priest? Mm-hmm. Whether it was the diocese, whether it was the religious community, mm-hmm. when was the last time you had a vocation come mm-hmm. out? You know, it's been two and a half generations. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we don't have enough priests to serve. Yeah. And we need to, as a whole, build up that thing. And again, mm. you don't have to go hopping and skipping and jumping full of joy completely towards the vocation at the beginning. There should be a joy that, that grows up. But again, Jesus in the garden is an example. If that's what the Father is asking of you, it's mm-hmm. what's going to bring you the most joy and completeness in your life and assist people around you. The, and you can literally sweat blood yeah. because it's so agonizing. Yeah. yeah. And it's... I mean, don't get me wrong. I would change nothing about being a priest. I love being yeah, a priest, yeah. <laughs> but some days are horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you just get everybody yelling at you about everything. So I, I met this parish um, from this little town in Indiana. They have, a, I think they said 1,100 families at this parish. And this year, they have 11 men going to seminary. Mm-hmm. 11 men from a parish of 1,100 families going into seminary. And the youth minister I was talking to, she's like, yeah, we don't really expect them all to become priests, and we think less than 50% will actually end up being a priest. But that that idea of vocations is so ingrained in their youth ministry and their parish that, like, it's not a big deal for 11 men. So they have 11 men and six girls going into religious life Mm -hmm. this year. And I was like, what? Like, I, I want that. I... I will give everything so that that will happen because, but I think you're right. I think more often than not, it's the community that is more negative towards the vocations Mm -hmm. than the actual people discerning vocations. If Um, as soon as you start to open up and say, because there's so much vulnerability in it, um, because there's a big thing. Actually, I was talking to somebody who early stage of discernment and made sure that they said, don't tell anybody because I don't want other people to know. There's mm -hmm. a great vulnerability of saying, first of all, I love God this much. And, um, I'm thinking of giving up my life to it. Mm -hmm. And if just like, you know, anybody who's ever been engaged or seriously dating somebody, you ask somebody, how could you like them? And the potential fear of the rejection or Mm -hmm. the potential no, you know, that's great. And it's one thing if it's just one person, but when a whole community has to hear about it, it can be terrifying. Well, like Monica and I hid, not hid. We kept our relationship quiet when we were early dating because we didn't want the entire youth group to be part of our Mm -hmm. starting relationship you know like and then once we knew we were going to be together we started talking which happens in the priesthood i mean any thing but yeah for me both religious life and then especially the seminary as soon as you start telling people people you have no idea who they are because the word gets out come up to you and they start putting a ton of pressure on Mm -hmm. you um most of it's positive but sometimes you do get those people that says are you sure you really want to do that well and I, i i know this just in monica and i's early marriage that like satan's gonna attack Mm-hmm. good and and like i mean it's when it when a priest gets ordained like i bet you, i can't even imagine the attack satan puts on you that day like mm-hmm. um yeah the satan will attack good and if you don't believe in satan that is just horrifying you will fail. Like, yeah you have to recognize that satan is a real thing mm-hmm. in order to beat him yeah um yeah you anyway. have to know who's attacking you yeah um, I like this week, Father. Yeah, this is good. I wish yeah. we had more time. Uh, can you get to a question real quick? Yeah. Okay, go. Um, so one of them was on sin and why do we go to a priest for confession? And why not just pray um, asking God for forgiveness of our sins? Uh, first and foremost, pray for God or pray asking God to forgive you of your sins every day. The church wants you to do that. That should be something you do um, before you go to bed. What's it? 
act of contrition. So make some sort of act yeah. of contrition. You know, um, the thing well, that you'd say to a priest, you can do it in the penitential act. You can repeat, just Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. What's that Jesuit prayer? The examine. The examine. The examine. That, that thing is like, I try to do that every mm-hmm. night. And, it's and the examine's cool because it looks at the positives, too, of yes. how God's working your life. It's not just yeah. how you failed. Um, so you can look that up. There's a couple different approaches um, that other people have taken from Ignatius uh, to put it there. But we have to make sure that we are asking God for forgiveness. Um, but we go to a priest for confession because that's what Jesus told us to do, mm-hmm. um, is the short answer. And Jesus gives the ability to forgive sins to the apostles, which are our first priests and bishops. Excuse me. And he says, um, you have the ability to forgive or to bind. You can, it's up to you to choose. Mm-hmm. And the only way that it, they can know that is if they're in communication, if they're talking. And we see Jesus, too, when he's forgiving sins, um, most of the time... He, it's identified what the sin is. You know, the woman caught in adultery, yeah. I'm forgiving you of your sins, or the woman who's had seven husbands. Um, and so there's, we see that it makes sense that we need to know that. Um, and too, and I always like to re-emphasize this. You've heard it before, hear it again. Um, the last thing I care about are the sins you committed. Um, I'm there to help, or to offer forgiveness, mm-hmm. offer the absolution, and then to give some advice. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, I forget whatever you said anyway. By the time you're done saying it, I'm trying to say, this is the advice I want to give yeah. you. As you're saying your sins, okay, this is your problem. You're angry or it seems like you're hurt. Or Well, and I was talking to, I don't remember if it was you or another priest, but some, some, I think some priest was like, he thinks there's a special grace that priests re- receive in the confessional because when they leave, mm-hmm. they like immediately forget. And he, had, he uh, a, a, like put it in comparison to a woman giving birth. That the there's 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 um, chemicals that are released mm-hmm. in that woman that she only remembers the good yep. and not really the crazy painful stuff. Yeah, and I I would say I forget ninety nine point some percent, mm-hmm. but there are certain ones, and this is what's crazy. They're usually the big ones yeah. that sort of stick out, but it's in a, my brain in a weird place. And this is the grace yeah. definitely at work of says don't ever bring that up. <laughs> but when you see that person, say a quick prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like as I'm giving out communion, you know, whether Ooh, it's you know someone yeah. I'm giving. <clears throat> Someone I help bury their spouse or a mm-hmm. child or a father or mother or whatever, or they've yeah. got the sin. I say, let this give them the grace for either healing or to leave this sin behind. Mm. Um, oh, that's cool. This is a very cool. That's super cool. I hope yeah. Father Tank does that for me. <laughs> he probably does. Um, okay, I have another question right here that I'm going to get to real quick. So um, we had somebody email. This was in May. Emailed us, and we haven't gotten to it. Yeah, We're so sorry. Bad. I blame Kyle. Yeah, it's, it's definitely fault, my though. fault. Um, we've spoken a few times about spiritual advisors, spiritual directors. We talked about that. We did get it. How do we get one? Oh, I did it on my own. Oh, you did. I think when I did flu solo, I answered that one. Okay, great. Then never yeah. mind. Sweet. We're going to listen one. to that one. And then let's do the other one for Katie. Um, Katie Bell, I think is how she signed her email. Um, ask about, I don't have it in front of me, uh, holy days of obligation specifically around the Triduum. So if those are the holiest days of the year, why do we not... Um, have them as holy days of obligation, even though there may not be a mass set, like mm-hmm. such as on Good Friday or Saturday until the vigil starts, which is technically Sunday because the sun has gone down. Um, and so I did a little bit of quick looking because I could have made an educated guess, but I didn't want to just do that. Um, Father's blowing up over here. Boom. Anointing. True to him. So this is what I'm taking other people on their word for. I didn't see it in a church document, uh, so I'm always a little bit leery. But a couple people have said online that it used, they used to be. Um, but with our bigger churches and um, the fact that we're only supposed to celebrate those liturgies ideally once. Now, on Friday, we're given permission for a second one if it so is necessary. But it's also ideally if you have more than one priest. 
And so most churches can't hold their entire congregation in one or two liturgies. So like for us, if we were to have all of our Sunday people try to fit into two liturgies on Friday, Good Friday, uh, we'd be standing on each other's shoulders three deep. Um, But wait, what does that have to do with Holy Days of Obligation? So it got removed from being an obligatory day, according to this, because of the practical nature. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, that could be wrong. I'm going to try to do some more looking, but I wanted to go and answer it before. So that's the short, totally uneducated answer. Unverified. Unverified answer. A couple of people have said something along those lines. Um, But they are the most important days of the liturgical year. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right. That's all I got this this week, Father. Send us questions. We love answering them, and we're going to try to get to them more frequently. And whether they tie in or not, I think we should just start answering them. Um, next week is Father's last one as an employee of Prince of Peace Church. Um, after that, we will we will let you know next week what our plan is because we have not talked about it yet. Um, and seriously, if you have any um, knowledge of how to do to get Father either video chatted in whatever it is. Um, we could really use your help. Don't talk to Father about these things. Yep. He never gives me full information, so then it's just me like trying to piecemeal it together. It's because I don't understand. It's not that I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't understand all the yeah. words that come out of people's mouths. So email me or email contact ramblings at popolatha.org or send us a text message at 785-672-9478. These are in the Say description. Those again. They're, they're in the description. It's they're in the fast. description. If you need to look it up, it's in the description of every podcast. Guys, we love you. We appreciate you listening, and we will s- talk to you guys next week. All right, God bless. I gotta turn it off. I forgot to have it queued up to turn off. <laughs>